This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Both on and off the field. He is Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. It is a well. Today we're recording on a Tuesday. We had a Labor Day weekend. I had a little nose surgery. Literally, nose surgery. Not a nose job, as Landry Locker was trying to pin on me earlier today. Uh, had a little deviated septum thing. So if I sound a little stuffy, that's why. Uh, but it's good to be with you as we are, we're here, man. We're headed towards week one of the NFL season. It's this Sunday. It's in Baltimore. It's the Texans and the Ravens. And we're going to get into an early look at that game and a whole lot more. As I welcome you in, uh, I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. Joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, did you have a nice Labor Day weekend? No, I did not. Oh. Because the Baylor Bears got humiliated by Texas State at home in what I believe is the most embarrassing performance I've ever seen Baylor have. But I was happy that all the other schools like AM and Texas won. And of course, uh, a game that caused you a lot of regret. I loved watching uh, uh, Colorado and Dion, but mainly the aftermath. There's a great weekend of college football, and we're going to have a great weekend of the NFL, and I can't wait. Yeah, I did not like having zero NFL football this weekend, and we will not have that be the case till uh, the middle of February now. We've got NFL football every weekend from now until the middle of February. It is that time of year. It is here, and uh, we'll get into Dion and what he meant to my weekend in just a little bit, <laughs> that fiasco. I don't know what it is, John. DeAndre Hopkins, Dion Sanders, I don't know who's next on, on the list of people that are going to – uh, ruined me on, on social media. Um, but uh, let's get, let's start with the Texans. Uh, I guess the only real news out of the Texans, uh, we'll get into some of the injury concerns for this game in just a second, but the Texans did name their captains yesterday as voted on by the team. And they are as follows. Uh, CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback, Laramie Tunsil, left tackle. And then their two safeties, Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie. And John, I got to tell you, um, you were on the Jalen Petrie, Jimmy Ward, both being captains bandwagon as far back as OTAs. So kudos to you on that one, my friend. Well, because thank you, because I'm wrong so much and don't get a chance to blow my horn, I go back to uh, when the Texans drafted Petrie in the last column I wrote for the Chronicle, 
was on Petrie being a second round pick. And I wrote and I said, you know, I think I wrote, I know I said he'd be a captain his second year. And a lot of people scoffed at that, but I knew what he was all about, the kind of person he was. I know the coaches love him. We know Jimmy Ward was a natural after spending his first nine years with the 49ers. He was there before Kyle Shanahan, D'Amico, Ryan's, and Bobby Slowing. So he was a natural. I'm kind of surprised about a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. That bodes very well for what his teammates think about him, not just on the field, because they got players who will probably play better than him, but the kind of leader he is, everything that he has demonstrated behind the scenes, his teammates obviously like. And I think Laramie Tunsil, who is the best player on the team, seemed like he'd be a natural as well. Yeah, I um, I, I, I like this group. I mean, just flat out, John, I like that it's four good football players. Like, it sounds weird to say, but the Texans have been so deficient in talent the last couple of years. And as a result, I think have tried to, in retrospect, kind of force feed captains to the fan base. Like last year, I saw a, a, a somebody tweeted a, a graphic of this year's captains juxtaposed to last year's captains. Last year's captains were Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks, who quit on the team, Christian Kirksey, who's not good at football anymore. I felt bad for John Weeks because he was a captain last year, and he's he's getting dragged down by everybody that's in last year's graphic. We need to rescue him off that graphic, have him erased, and somehow make him a quasi-captain this year. John, I just like that it's four good players. I like it's kind of four different personality styles. You got you got the two safeties that are kind of very, you know, chatty and 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 loud. You got Laramie and, and CJ that are kind of more lead by example, although the guys on the team say CJ is a pretty good trash talker as well on the field, but I don't think he carries himself that way behind the microphone. Um, I like it. It's it's four guys that feel like they they really deserve to be captains. I like that one of them, Jimmy Ward, was brought in in free agency, but again, he's not this force-fed leadership guy like Christian Kirksey. He's a guy who's a fringe top 100 player in the NFL. I like these four guys. Not often do you see a team leave off the greatest player in history at his position, but that's what the Texans did with John Weeks. They should have added a fifth captain to get Weeksy in there. You you should petition for that, John. You should you should <laughs> protest. You should do something. We, we got to get that going outside the stadium <laughs> before, uh, before John we Weeks do. was robbed. Yep, absolutely. Um, so those are your captains. I guess the other. The other news, John, as of right now, today we're recording this on Tuesday, which is an off day. So there's going to be nothing new coming out of the building today. But as far as doing an early look ahead to the Ravens game here, um, we'll start with the medicals. Uh, Titus Howard practiced yesterday. I, you know, it wasn't like a real physical practice. It was more just kind of a light walkthrough type stuff. But he was participating with a club kind of that J.J. Watt club hand thing going on on his broken left hand. And I guess that more importantly, because it looks like that's an indication to me, and I'll get your thoughts in a second, that Titus is, is probably leaning towards playing this weekend. But the, I think the more concerning thing, and we'll see what Wednesday looks like, but Blake Cashman and Christian Harris, both guys listed at first string at linebacker, neither of them participated yesterday. Well, let's, let's go back to Titus. If Titus wasn't going to play, he'd have been out there without the cast and uh, the club, and players play with clubs all the time. He's going to be in the lineup. The key is, will he be at right tackle, or could they put him at left guard where he's played before, started before two years ago, and and something they shouldn't have done, and leave George Fant at right tackle? Because Fant 
is going to be better at right tackle than anybody they've brought in or elevate center or guard. And so I, that's what I can't wait to see. But Titus is back, and boy, that's a good thing when it comes to their run blocking and not to mention their pass protection, but they still have a lot of ifs at left guard and at center. And as far as the linebackers, you know, they were the worst team in the NFL by far at stopping the run. The linebackers play a big role in that. And if those two guys are out, and maybe they won't be, but if they are, that's not going to just hurt them against the run. It's going to hurt them in coverage. And uh, Henry Toa Toa played more snaps on defense than than any, I think, player on the team in preseason. And it means he would get a lot of playing time. But hopefully those two guys will be back because they need them desperately. Yeah, I I don't know I don't know what to make of the offensive line because I don't know enough about these guys that they've there, there's so many new guys on the offensive line. I don't even knew like they picked them up, you know, in free agency in April. They drafted a few of them. I'm talking new like they traded for them a week ago. They traded for like they've traded for two different offensive linemen that are going to be on this team. They picked one up off of waivers, a, a rookie from from uh, Buffalo, went to Ole Miss, <coughs> uh, broker. Uh, George Fant, you mentioned that. George Fant is a grizzled vet in this offensive line. They brought him in like a month ago. Um, so uh, so I don't know. I, I'm guessing, John, that this is a major triage situation <laughs> for the Texans on the offensive line, given these injuries, given how recent they've had to adapt to the life after Juice Scruggs to the IR, Kenyon Green to the end-of-season IR uh, last week. I don't. I have no clue who the five best guys are that they would throw on the field right now because I don't know enough about some of these guys to make that assessment. I man, I've watched George Fant play in a couple of preseason games, and I've watched some some footage of the Broker kid who you know in his fifty snaps in the preseason, he looks like he's got some dog in him. You know, we asked Nick Casario, Seth and I did about him today, and it was clear they like. He brought up the fact they like the way he he plays through the whistle. He finishes plays like he's. Kids, if you're an offensive lineman and you're a seventh-round pick and you're trying to make a team, be sure to finish your blocks and go right up, if not past the whistle a little bit. It impresses, at the very least, Nick Casario. Um, but, I, John, I don't know who the best five are on this team, right? And where you'd put them. Like, Titus could be a left guard. He could be a right tackle. I have no idea. Texans have no idea right now either until they yep. see him go out there and play and hit people. Maybe they put Josh Jones, who's played right tackle, left tackle, and right guard, never left guard or center, Maybe they put him at right tackle if he's looked good in practice for two weeks and Titus at left guard. And then what about center? Do they go with a guy that's played before, Jimmy Morrissey, but is best or best suited for the practice squad? Uh, Kendrick Green, who started as a rookie for the Steelers two years ago, they moved him to guard, and he was so bad he was inactive for every game. Do you try to move him back? Uh, Jarrett Patterson, a rookie, six-round pick, drafted to play center and guard, but because Juice Scruggs came on in place of Scott Quisenberry, he looked, uh, he, he, Scruggs took over and looks just started to look good when he suffered the pull hamstring. Do you put Jared Patterson at center? So the key coach in this game is not D'Amico Ryan's, is not Bobby Slowick or Matt Burke. It is Chris Strasser, the new offensive line coach who came from Indy, their fourth in four years, because his group controls everything, the running game, the pass protection, how much time the defense is on the field, and whatever they're playing, Chris Strasser, uh, he deserves a raise. Yeah, well, he's got to be. Yeah, if he, 
if he gets them playing competently, he deserves a raise. You know, if they, if it's a, if it's three Matadors and Titus and Laramie, then uh, then then there's a big problem there. So um, yeah, that's a huge concern in this game. And I know John, your early look at it, and it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to change unless all of a sudden the Texans trade for Quentin Nelson and the uh, you know and and two other linemen. Uh, you you've got the Ravens winning fairly comfortably in this game, right? I do. I'm going to save my pick for when we do them in our last podcast yep. this week, but I'll just say I'm going to have them winning by 15. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, so that's the early look. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. At the Ravens and the Texans, and again, as John alludes to, we'll normally be doing three episodes a week during the season, just two this week because of the uh, the holiday and my uh, my surgery. So um, we'll be doing three, and, and the, the Thursday one will be the, uh, the preview of the upcoming game. So be on the lookout for that this Thursday. we got mailbag questions that we're going to get to here shortly. Uh, if you want to uh, email the show, mailbag at gmail.com is the best way to email. We're getting uh, the, the volume of emails we're getting as the season is building here uh, to the start has been nice. Um, so we're, if you sent one in and we didn't get to it, just uh, keep trying. And we're saving some of them for um, ones that can evergreen nicely. We've got those saved. So keep sending them in, mailbag at gmail.com. And I try to answer some of the ones we don't get to on the podcast. So um, we look forward to hearing from you on that. John, before we get to the mailbag, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm like uh, I'm like one of those bug zappers to uh, you know that attracts mosquitoes to it, like a fluorescent light. I'm a fluorescent light for uh, Twitter fiascos these days. Uh, we had DeAndre Hopkins tell when I when I tweeted uh, rare footage of DeAndre Hopkins at practice with a video of him practicing, and he saw that and then made a joke uh, about uh, a joke involving my wife. It wasn't about my wife, but it involved my wife. The happiest person about that my wife. Um, and then, uh, and then this week, Amy, let's say Amy. Yeah. My wife, Amy. Yes. Uh, she has a name. Um, this weekend, John Saturday at nine 16 AM. So that was, uh, that was Saturday morning. So I was, you know, I was all hepped up on painkillers and game day, you know, the two greatest drugs in the history of the universe. And, um, and, and probably got a little out over my skis. But I did think that TCU was going to cover the 21-point spread against Colorado. I probably should have stopped at 21 because here's what I tweeted. Very excited for Coach Prime's pregame pep talk to surface on social media today. Should be epic. Then they'll get rolled by 40 by TCU. But, man, that speech is going to be amazing. Well, we know that didn't work out, John. We know that uh, – and, and, it, and it, it did not work out from jump. Colorado – you knew five minutes into that game they were going nowhere that day. They they were standing in 
toe-to-toe with TCU. They were the better football team. The problem for me, John, is that Freezing Cold Takes picked that up, the tweet. That's uh, uh, at Freezing Cold Takes, I believe, on Twitter. And there's 600,000 followers or whatever it is. Picked up that tweet and and laid it over a graphic of Deion Sanders coaching his guys up in Colorado gear. And that was the only tweet that they picked up on that game was mine. Uh, So I got a lot of attention this weekend, John, from Deion Sanders fans, Colorado Buffaloes fans people who just like clowning people who make horrible, horrible predictions. It was a very long weekend for me on social media, John. Good for you. I wish it had been me because I never pay any attention to what people say. But let me tell you, there yeah. are so many people around the country, including the odds makers, that picked them to get whomped. And afterward, Dion's acting like he's the first coach to ever win an upset in history. And I remember when Dion used to have to make predictions on the NFL Network, and he didn't. He wasn't batting a hundred, so you got a lot. Probably got a lot of some new followers out of it. I did, and uh, it it was the best story of the weekend. Dion did a great. He and his staff did a great coaching job. His son Stewart was outstanding. Travis Hunter did was uh, he was like superhuman. And I'll say this: uh, Dane Brugler, the NFL expert for the Athletic, he said today that. Colorado's receivers, backs, and tight ends. Everybody caught passes, gained 273 yards after the catch. Yeah, yeah. That is phenomenal. Can't wait to see them play Nebraska. They went from decisive underdog to favorite. Every time Dion and the Buffalo step on the field, it's going to be a big story. And the college recruiters around the country for other schools are going to be, man, we may need we need more NIL money to keep all the players from wanting to go to Boulder. So it's a great story for college football. And I think it's really good for you too. Uh, yeah, no, I, I look, that that's the funny thing, John, on Twitter with this stuff, the, or the people who, who think that somehow me getting a prediction woefully wrong like that is jeopardizing my job at sports radio, six ten. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's my favorite part. Like somehow part of my employee evaluation is being right. <laughs> you know, like if, if that were the case, we'd all get fired one week into our, they wouldn't have any hosts left. If we were, if, if we got compensated and and promoted based on being right with our predictions in this job, as far as Colorado goes, yeah, I don't know what to make of the game this weekend with Nebraska. Matt Rule is obviously a great college coach, like he's a great college coach, but he he hasn't really had his chance to kind of sink his meat hooks into Nebraska yet. It's still largely Scott Frost's team, although that with the transfer portal, I may, maybe I'm underestimating that. I don't know what Nebraska's transfer activity was like it feels like every school has like 20 of them on the team at least now Dion's got like 80 of them but I like conventional wisdom John says that Colorado is going to be reading their press clippings this week they're probably going to be in the top 25 you know they were they, they could have been further from the top 25 coming into the season and certainly last year when they were one of the worst teams in division one football um and this is not exactly a coach who feels like somebody who is kind of suppressing everything with the press clippings. He feels like somebody who's waving the press clippings, Dion that is, in everybody's face. Like he feels like he handles nothing conventionally. And I guess that's, that's I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, I'm saying that like the handicap on this game would normally be a, a, a no brainer. You got a team who's, who's getting bet. They, they, they opened this in the seat before the season. This game was a nine point favorite for Nebraska before the season. It swung 12 and a half points through the zero and now Colorado's a three and a half point favorite. 
conventional wisdom says if the world is climbing on this team right now, you go against that. Conventional wisdom says if this is a team, a bunch of young kids who are being told how awesome they are all week long, they're going to come out flat. Add to this the fact that Nebraska lost in excruciating fashion in their game against Minnesota. They don't want to start the season 0-2. They're coming in a far more desperate team than Colorado to this game. So if this were just normal college A versus college B, it's a real easy handicap with this thing. You back Nebraska, and then you take the points, and you back away, and you count your money later. There's nothing conventional about Deion Sanders. Nothing. Zero. Um, so I don't know what to do with this game, except I know I'm going to bet it. I almost have to bet – John, I almost have to bet Nebraska just to keep leaning into this persona that I've uh, that I've nurtured now on, on uh, social media as this anti-Deion guy, when I actually like Deion a lot. Uh, I watched all the Nebraska game because I'm a big Matt Rule fan. I had a tweet ready to go congratulating him on winning. Then they retired, ah, and then they lost. Jinx! And so uh, the thing about Dion, if you listen to Dion, he's the Captain Kirk of college football. He's taken his team places no nobody's ever been. Now, of course, that's not true, but that's what he said. So it won't surprise me at all if they don't beat the hell out of Nebraska because I was not very impressed. I'll say this about the Cornhuskers. Uh, Matt Rule took a year before he turned it around at Temple. He took a year at Baylor before he turned it around at Baylor. So it won't surprise me at all if Nebraska's not any good, because they weren't any good at Temple. They weren't any good at Baylor. So that just seems to be the standard, because you got to have time to turn the team around. And you mentioned earlier about Deion Sanders and and all the transfers, that may have been the most impressive thing of all. Yeah. The way he got rid of almost every player, his depth chart was almost all new, and they did a tremendous job of coaching those guys, of organizing those guys, picking the right guys. It was a phenomenal job by them. Now, because of the business he's in, you got to do it again. Yeah, no, John, that, that's, that was my reason for picking against him. A lot of people think I – tweeted that and picked against Dion because I'm a Dion hater of some sort. I like Dion. That this is phenomenal for college football. Like this is the most interest, like this is the most like sort of global interest that college football has had in a long, long time. Just like on a topic that that attract you don't have to be a Colorado fan to be attracted to this story in Boulder, at least as of right now. Now who knows if they're five and seven this year or four and eight, which they very well could be the Pac 12, nobody's lost in the Pac 12 yet. Pac 12 had a pretty good first week of football. Um, so I, that's exactly why I picked against them. I didn't think that Dion nor any coach for that matter, it wasn't a Dion thing. I didn't think that any coach could take 70 or 80 guys who, who hadn't basically hadn't met each other for all intents and purposes five weeks ago and turn it into a cohesive football, football product, especially against a team that was in the national championship game last year in the heat on the road. So that he was able to do that, that was a that was a well-coached team. That wasn't just a team that, oh, wow, turns out they have a lot of talent. They do. I mean, they have a lot of talent. That was a well-coached, talented football team. And if Deion doesn't like people in the media who pick against him, he can throw a bucket of water on him like he did to Tim McCarver. That's right. The late great when he was playing for the uh, uh, Braves. Was was the the Braves. Braves. Was it the Braves or the Reds he was playing for at the time? I think it was the Braves, and he got okay. McCarver, who to me is the best color analyst ever yeah. in baseball. He threw water on him in the locker room and never got a picture on it. So he can always get some more buckets of water. 
That's true. That's true. I better be careful. I got to steer clear. I might get one myself. <laughs> Did you see? I don't know if you saw, John. I posted it. Um, I'm sitting there on Saturday or Sunday morning, maybe, and I'm sitting there. I I get I get push notifications on my phone from Twitter uh, if people like my tweets who are the, like verified people or you know people of like a certain level of follower. Like it's basically, if somebody famous likes one of my tweets, it tells me like JJ Watt liked my tweet. Ooh, that's cool. Um, I looked down, it says Deion Sanders liked your tweet. And I said, Oh my God. And I look and it was Deion Sanders. It was Deion Sanders, but it was Deion Sanders Jr. It was his son liked my tweet. I'm guessing so that he could then take it, bookmark it and go show it to his old man. hundred percent chance Deion saw my tweet, right, John? No, sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah, that's good. He's taking receipts and you're one of them. I'm one of them. I know. I know. I'm so I'm scared. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to You want to do some mailbag, John? Let's do it. People want answers on things. All right, let's do this. Um, Charles Honeycutt, by the way, you can email mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, he said, who is the most surprising player the Texans have chosen to keep? I'm still shocked by them keeping four running backs and keeping Brevin Jordan. Who Who's the biggest surprise keep for you, John, last week? Uh, probably Daria Boombawale because he's been hurt, missed the last – two preseason games. He's a special teams player. He's the fourth running back. You can get them anywhere, but they must think he is one hell of a special teams player. Yes. Yeah. That was a surprise. I was surprised they kept four running backs. I'm surprised Brevin Jordan's still on the team. I'm surprised Brevin Jordan survived waivers. You know, I was surprised he was on there Tuesday afternoon. I'm certainly surprised he was on there this weekend. I'm surprised he was at practice today. You know, like I, <laughs> Brevin Jordan, I'm surprised Brevin Jordan's on the team. I, I'm, I'm with Charles on that one. Uh, okay, Joe Q, frequent emailer, says, looks like Belichick is going to roll with one quarterback on the 53-man roster and elevate either Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham or both on the practice squad for a while. What do you think about this approach that Bill Belichick, and I guess by proxy, Bill O'Brien, I'm sure has some input on this. What do you think about what the two Bills are doing in New England, rolling with one quarterback on the 53, John? They claim Matt Corral, and I think he'll be the backup because he's got experience. Zappi who flashed last year when Mac Jones was hurt and had a really bad preseason. Now, a lot went into that off the, in, on the practice field during OTAs, mini camps. O'Brien saw him from start to finish. So they took a heck of a chance that, uh, that uh, nobody was going to claim him and uh, keep him on their roster. It'd be uh, funny if somebody did. But the, the fact that Matt Corral was third-round pick last year and for them to claim him, I'm guessing if he picks up the system well enough where he could play, if Jones was hurt, he would be the backup. Wasn't Zappy like a fourth round pick last year? I mean, they're they're practically the same guy as far as pedigree goes. You know, it seems it seems to be. But Zappy, remember, was at HBU before he went. Yeah. To uh, like Eastern Kentucky or yeah, Western was. Western through sixty yep. touchdown passes, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Neil in Liverpool. John, we're big in England. I don't know what it is. You and I... The, we're almost uh, as big as the Beatles. It's, you know what? If we get some hair and two more guys and a set of drums, we're, we're on our way. Um, Neil is in Liverpool, England. Says, love the pod. I'm a Texans and Astros fan over here in Liverpool. Question for John. In the 2014 draft, if the Vikings hadn't traded up and taken Teddy Bridgewater with the last pick of the first round, would the Texans have taken him instead of Xavier Suofilo at the top of the second round. And if they had, would he still be the Texans QB today? I feel like this was a sliding doors moment in Texans history. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. 
It's a great question, but I've never heard anybody tell me that about Bridgewater, who suffered almost a life-threatening injury and now bounced has bounced around. So I would say uh, he would have had a chance, but the odds are he would have gotten hurt because that's what's happened to him. As far as Xavier Tuafilo, great guy. They brought him in, tried to play him at center, guard, and tackle. They should have just put him at guard and left him there. And O'Brien admitted that the second year. Ultimately, turned out to be one of the worst picks in team history. It's interesting. Like if the, the Teddy Bridgewater, the the uh, the Teddy Bridgewater thing at the end of the first round with the te- that was a weird draft for the Texans because that was the one where it felt like they they it felt like Jimmy Garoppolo was a guy that might the Texans might like and take and but the you know the Patriots ended up scooping O'Brien on that one. Um, that was a that's weird, and that's the second straight week we've gotten a question about the 2014 draft. Somebody asked us about Clowney, who they would have taken if Clowney didn't exist. Last Khalil week. Mack. That's what you said, Khalil Mack. All right, uh, let's uh, let's hit one here. Um, this one is this is one that I'm adding myself. So Sean in Upper Kirby asks John because I'm legitimately curious your thoughts on this. Um, what is going on with John Mechie right now, and what should expectations be for John Mechie this season? John Mechie, who. I believe is not practicing again for the Texans. I'm sure he'll be inactive on game day. And, yeah. and it's like they've said, it's been a long time since he's played football. He had a, he blew out his ACL. He had to recover from that. And then he had to take, take on uh, leukemia. So it's been a while. I think he's going to be inactive a lot. Maybe when, if they get some injuries or over the second half of the season, uh, they'll activate him. But right now he's just, way behind and that can't be surprising no no it's unfortunate though i mean that's your you know the second round pick from from last year uh and, and i know where he was picked is you know, I, I know pales in comparison to everything he went through personally and medically and everything else like i sound like a i sound like a like a, a, a like a guy player. who would predict uh Dion gets beat by 40 that's <laughs> Thanks, what john he, i appreciate what that sound like but thank you very much that's exactly what i sound like yes all right, uh, Matthew Kosecki, again, frequent emailer to the show, says, um, which dished out or dis- uh, which dished out dispatched ex-Texan? Oh, I like questions like this, John. Which dished out or dispatched ex-Texan would you most like to see on D'Amico's Texans in 2023 if you could have your wish? Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Reader, or Dealer's Choice? Can't be Watson, even though I know you guys wouldn't pick him. So we can't take Deshaun Watson back, nor would I. I'm a C.J. Stroud guy now. But, John, if you could take one former Texan that's sitting out there that's been discarded or traded or let go in the last couple of years and welcome them back, you know, with a hall pass, with a, you know, with a, uh, you know, an immunity card, we forgive and forget everything, who would it be? D.J. Reader, because they've been awful at stopping the run. They kept Whitney Merciless over him. He's gone to Cincinnati. He's played great. Now he's technically a 3-4 nose tackle, but he's played well enough. He could play tackle. They they complained that he wasn't on the field enough because he's not a pass rusher. Well, you know, that's not been their problem. Their problem has been stopping the run. And DJ, DJ, a great guy too. Great in the locker room. Fit the culture. They just made a terrible mistake. I know that's surprising. I know the old Brian Easterby regime, but – I'd like to see DJ Reader back on that defensive line playing next to Malik Collins. Yeah, that's that to me is an easy, easy choice. Is DJ Reader? He's he's the best player of all those guys we just named. He's better. He's better than any player, any former Texan I can think of out there right now. And that's a position to need for this team. This team needs big bodies on the defensive line. So I'm with you. 
Uh, that's oh boy, them letting him walk and giving Whitney Merciless all that money. Just, and I like Whitney. Whitney's a great guy, but man, that was a sliding doors moment, as uh, who Neil and Liverpool would say. Yeah, now Neil and Liverpool, if indeed those players were healthy and at the peak of their performances, like they were here, the easy choice to me would be Hopkins because they need a go-to receiver. But he's not in that position anymore, where Reader is still going strong. Yeah. Um, Joe has one more, John, and this will be our last one. How do we look at Desmond King being cut by the Texans and picked up by the Steelers? Steelers are a top five organization uh, over 2022 and 2023, during which time the Texans have been anywhere between dumpster fire, or I'm sorry, between 2002 and 2020. Let me back up. The Steelers are basically a top five organization during the time the Texans have existed. Um, the Texans have been wildly inconsistent as to what exactly they are. Which of these is the most plausible reason why Desmond King is no longer a Houston Texan? He's got three. Texans have more top-to-bottom secondary depth than the Steelers. Texans whiffed badly on this decision. Texans let a more game-ready but older player go in favor of keeping a younger player. Well, he keeps Shaquille Griffin. You know, and I, I'm no – they like Shaquille Griffin better than Desmond King. King can play outside. He can play inside. He can return punts. But for some reason, they decided, okay, Tavier Thomas is going to be a slot corner. He did a great job in the slot last year. King can get a good job in the slot. But they kept Kadar Holman, and they kept uh, Shaquille Griffin over him. I don't know why, other than they think those players are better for the system that they're running under D'Amico Ryans and Matt Burke. Do you think? Do you agree with any of those choices, John? Do you think the Texans – The first one. That they have more top-to-bottom secondary depth than the Steelers? That's, that's what they think, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with the Steelers. Once you cut a guy, they don't care where they end up. They're right. going to have to play against him. And they better hope when he plays against him, he doesn't have the kind of game Kareem Jackson did when he played against them uh, in Denver. Yeah, no, you mean when he was player of the week when he came yeah. back and he was so good that Bill O'Brien shouted down a fan at halftime of that game? That He's game? still playing too. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Kareem's first year where he wasn't very good and he's still playing, still going strong as a safety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still playing, I won't say at a high level, but he's he don't look out of place out there. Uh, the games I watch that he's involved in at all. Um, okay, so that is the uh, that is the mailbag. By the way, I asked Nick Casario today, John, when he was on with Seth and I about uh, Desmond King and about them cutting and just basically saying, hey, it seemed, seemed like it caught a lot of people by surprise. And Nick gave a Nick answer, you know, best thing for the team. And sometimes there's, you know, he, he didn't say there were extenuating circumstances with Desmond King. But he gave a particularly long answer <laughs> where Shocking. he repeated himself a few times. Like it was one of those things like, okay, I just got to listen to how he's saying this stuff and not really what he's saying. And I, I sensed a 14% chance there was something going on with Desmond King aside from just football quality. That's my spidey sense. I speak fluent Casario, John. So, <laughs> You've had enough practice. I have. I have. Yeah. If you want to listen to that interview, it's uh, up on sportsradio610.com. It's up on the Pain and Pendergast podcast. And of course, you can listen to Pain and Pendergast 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. And we recommend you listen tomorrow, particularly at 8 a.m., because that is when we are joined by that guy right there. If you're watching on YouTube, John McClain, he joins us at 8 o'clock on every Wednesday. Um, so that's our mailbag. John, uh, what do you got going on? this week on your various platforms 
have an Astros column that's posted on sportsradio610.com this afternoon. I will have one in which I go over the Texans schedule, pick the games and the records, and I pick my playoff teams and Super Bowl winners. And then on Wednesday, I'll have C.J. Stroud in his first game. Thursday, D'Amico Ryans in his first game. And Friday, five things to watch against the Ravens. You don't have to say who you're picking to win the Super Bowl, John, but are you doing that thing you do every year where you're picking a team that nobody else is picking so that you can yep. claim all the glory if they get yep. there? If you don't get it right, nobody notices. And I've had two like that. I picked Baltimore one year. They won it. Got a lot of good pub. I picked Philadelphia to lose the Super Bowl that they lost. And ever when I made the pick all and they got in, all the Philadelphia talk shows called me. And then, of course, they didn't call me a genius. They never called anybody genius. But I got a lot of pub out of it. Now, it's not the kind of pub you get from calling out De- DeAndre Hopkins or Deion Sanders. But yeah. for me, it was still good. Yeah, yeah, for you. Yeah, step up your game, man. <laughs> uh Okay, good. Well, I'm anxious to read these predictions, John. Um, anything in your Astros column about Dusty and all the awesome decisions that he makes? Well, I wrote it after the Yankees series before oh. they played, so it was posed. It was posted yesterday, and it is ugly. I have to tell you, it's ugly. And uh, but they bounce back now. Do you know the Rangers? Besides being Six and fourteen in their last twenty, and since August eleventh, their bullpen ERA is six point seven eight. Oh, I love that. People in the Metroplex go crazy when they have to bring somebody out of the pen, which is every night. They have been terrible, and on Wednesday, you have two Hall of Famers, Max Scherzer. Yeah, that'll be fun. going against Justin Verlander, and yeah. I heard speculation on MLB Radio that uh, Scherzer might not be able to go because of a tired arm, and they say could he be dodging? Justin Verlander, yes. that's the kind of competitor that Max Scherzer is. I don't know, man. You know, maybe he's showing his true colors finally 20 years into his career. <laughs> Can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah, I hope it happens. I didn't. I had not heard that report that it might not come off. But, uh, uh, yeah, let's let's hope it happens. And, John, I just so you know, I'm Payne and Pendergast this morning. It was very early in the show, so I don't know if you were up yet or even if you were, if you were listening. But I, when Seth and I were talking about the Astros – I quasi apologize to you. So I'll apologize to you here now directly to you on this podcast. Uh, when we talked on Payne and Pendergast last Wednesday was the day after Brantley was back in the lineup for the first time. And you were lamenting the fact that Chaz was not in the lineup. And you said that you, you were, you're basically nervous that this meant that Chaz, who's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, was going to have some of his playing time taken away. And I, I, I kind of did what I do to Amy sometimes and other family members where I mansplained and, and, and you know, kind of down talk <laughs> condescendingly to you. And I said, John, he's played 13 straight games. It's just a day off. Let's let it breathe. OK, let's let it breathe. It is now breathed and the breath stinks, John. You were absolutely right. Chaz was uh, benched on Friday, pinch hit for by John Singleton on Saturday and a DNP manager's decision again on Sunday. Um, I will sound the alarms for the Chaz McCormick experience right now. I went to a Saturday night game. Brantley had two hits and a home run and been back in the lineup since. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm anxious for this dusty thing to be over. I just hope it, you know, it's weird, John. I want it to be over and yet I want them to play into early November. It's, it's, it's really affecting. This is not a joke. It's really materially affecting my ability to enjoy this team right now. 
I want Yiner and catcher every night and Chaz in center field every night. Well, I, and Brantley swapping left field to DH. Yeah, we're just Yiner in the lineup somewhere. I put him at first base too. Like I, he can't catch oh, every Bray night. Bray has been terrible. Yeah, no, Yiner, Yiner can't catch every night. Like that's that that's a physical, I won't say impossibility, but it's not smart physically. You'll wear him down if he's catching every night. But there, there's it's inexcusable to not have his bat in the lineup every night. You've got two Absolutely. places you can put him. Three if you count DH, but now that Brantley's back, plus Jordan running into the wall with his knees all buckled like Wendell Davis at the vet back in the day. Like it was – that's what it looked like, John. People don't know what that is. I blew out two knees at the vet. That's what it looked like, didn't it? Yeah. You were not? I fact, they could walk away was uh, – Think about everybody holding their breath when they saw oh, that. Oh, my God. It was brutal. It was brutal. All right. Um, so John, you got a lot going on on the website. We got this podcast going on on Thursday. So Thursday we will have a, a, a hardcore preview of the Ravens and the Texans final preview. We'll give our predictions, do some for real or fugazis and we'll mix in. What do we mix in John four or five NFL picks from around the league? Let's do it. Let's do our top five every week, including the AFC South. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do that. We'll, we'll pick some games against the spread, right, John? Absolutely. Okay, Only yeah. wimps don't pick. Just making sure. I'm just making sure you're not a wimp. That's all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good. Uh, so, um, so we'll do that on Friday or on Thursday. So we got a busy one coming up Thursday. If you want to email us, we'll do a mailbag again next week. Mailbag will be back to Wednesday next week, Monday, Wednesday, well, really Sunday night. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Those are our recording days. Uh, obviously, the Sunday night one is just purely a recap of the game that just took place. And this will be the first one this weekend uh, coming up between the Ravens and the Texans. So, for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, for our producer, James Jackson, who gets this podcast out to each and every one of you. None of this happens without James pushing the buttons behind the scenes. He does a great job. Um, uh, for both of them, for James and John, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you. Uh, following the, oh no, we'll see all of you on Thursday. Sorry, all of you on Thursday to preview Texans and the Ravens. Thanks for listening to the Utopia Football Podcast.